Blog Talk Radio. in between. Live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and the Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. We're also on Twitter. And we are translating to many different languages for our listeners outside of the country. We're very proud of that. And the call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744. And the Paranormal and Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And during this show, I can take your questions in order in chat, or you may call in with your questions and speak with our awesome guest tonight. Remember, I have to tell you every week, but we still got a buzz killer last week. Any buzz killers in chat on the phone will be kicked out, and then I'll call and bug you, and I'll block you. So please don't do it. Just play nice, be polite, and make this a comfortable place to visit. I just have a few announcements before we have our awesome guest on tonight. And I want to just tell you a little something about my dear friend, Marilyn Salas. As you know, she's a blessed wife of Captain Robert Salas. But you know what? She is a healer hanging out in Ojai with her husband. And they have a beautiful little shop going on, and it's a little Ojai nutmeg house. And um, anyway, she just created these Love's Blessings myths. And they smell to me like, uh, oh, just really nice incense and very soft. And the bottles are very beautiful, kind of a dark blue to protect the contents. And they have a little nozzle spray and uh they smell like relaxing. So uh, with the ingredients in lavender, and she has 26 essential oils all together in there. And they help you relax and calming. And she uses it for meditation. I use it like a little blessing before I leave in the morning. I put it on the back of my neck. And everybody always says I smell real good. So to order yours, contact Marilyn Salas at www.lovesblessing.com. I love her. And it would be nice, really nice Christmas presents. You know that? Anyway, and Zero International, Zero International is an organization that assists, uh, uh, well, experiences, abductees, contactees, and uh, researching in the paranormal and, and particularly UFO-related things. And we have our annual Christmas party on the Haunted Queen Mary. You know what? And it's coming up. But the deadline is, is Monday, the 30th. You have to have all your cash in. So... Go to www.cerointernational.com and pay at the donation area. And it's going to tell you, I think it's about 60 bucks, 59 something. And that pays you for your dinner, dessert, uh, beautiful seating. And if you really want a, a gift, so bring a gift. And uh, it's a party that we look forward to. Me and my uh, two compadres are going to be up there and all our other friends. And uh, it's beautiful. We get to dress up. And if you want a gift, just remember to bring a gift. And kind of bring, you know, a nice one because you don't want something chintzy. You know what I'm saying? 
I want to tell you something about anyway, we're looking forward to it. So pay by Monday. That's the deal. And it'll be the second week in December on a Saturday night. And all the information will be over there. If not, ask me later on Facebook. Okay. Now, my cousins, Chris and Tracy, since then, you know, they do the Texas Ghost Tours. It's a two-walking hour tour, and they're out of Galveston, Texas. I love my cousin, Chris, and his wife, Tracy. Anyway, they're a paranormal team investigators, and they do all kinds of stuff like that. And... You got to get a hold of them by calling Chris and Tracy Simpson at 713-562-0429, and they will do your tours and get the prices and the particulars from them. You can email them for Texas Ghost Tours at yahoo.com, and they have a website www.texas-ghost-tours.com. And let's see, one more announcement is that after the guilt-ridden Thanksgiving eating vendors. I only ate a lot of turkey because I didn't get any pie, dang it. Anyway, check out my friend, Gatina Morris. She's a representative of V-Shape. I never thought I'd be um, advertising this, but I am. A healthy way of eating with these delicious weight management products. Anyway, the cookies and snacks and cereal and nutrition and shakes mixes come in pre-measured packs that are very portable and will help you succeed in your healthier choices. You can get a hold of Miss Morris at 310-883-3855. Let me say it again. 310-883-3855. Or you can reach her at Katina Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S, C-A-T-I-N-A-M-O-R-R-I-S at yahoo.com. And now, as we all have been waiting for, I have an awesome friend that I've known for 20 years. We both go to a group called Ciro that I spoke a little bit about before, but I'm going to read you a little bit of the bio, and he's already with us, and his name is John William Lopez. And John William Lopez is a student of New Thought Spirituality, Metaphysics, and a professional licensed spiritual counselor and prayer practitioner with the Centers for Spiritual Living. He is a cartoon animator, illustrator, and professional photographer, and his career spans over 40 years, during which he worked at Disney Feature Animation, DreamWorks, SKG, Turner Feature Animation, Film Roman for three seasons of The Simpsons, and dozens of other studios and production houses. He has exhibited and sold his photography in New Mexico, where he and his partner co-owned an art gallery, Morning Calm Gallery. He was born and raised in Puerto Rico and has also lived in Michigan, Brazil, New York, Texas, Georgia, and New Mexico. And he and his partner also taught English for a year in South Korea. I didn't know that, and I really want to ask him about that. I didn't know that. Anyway, always interested in metaphysics. Lopez has introduced new thought ideas from the mid-80s and has since then had direct contact and spiritual experience with spiritual principles and beliefs, thoughts and words created reality, and that there is one universal mind and intelligence that we all are a part of and that we can use in our daily life. And also, this, these principles, I was, I'm going to ask him more about that, is that our mind can help us get healthy, too. Using these principles, John has, along with attracting his life partner, now his spouse, and I love that guy. A manifested in his dream job, increased financial prosperity. He's author of a book, Perfect Praying, Five Steps That Make Prayers Work. And though not raised in any form of religion, John has always been a keen interest in the fascination for metaphysics, spirituality, the paranormal, and UFOs. And in the 80s, while living in Brooklyn, New York, he had a lucid out-of-body experience involving UFOs. So vivid and so real, he remembers it as though it happened yesterday. His favorite movie of all time was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Well, didn't we all see that about 20 times? Anyway, which he has seen more times than he'll ever disclose. Oops. 
he and his spouse now live in retired bliss in Tucson, Arizona, the gorgeous over there, where I'm following him in all his pictures and where he continues to do photography and spiritual practice. Now, I want to welcome him on. Um, John, you're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thank you for asking. I'm just really excited to have you on because, you know, we've known each other for many moons because I think we're we're kind of like the the early, early members of uh, Ciro. And uh, how did you get to, how did you get to Ciro? Can you tell us a little bit if you want to go back to that time when we first met? Oh, sure. Well, that time was um, in L.A. in the uh, 90s. And, um of course, I was uh, at that time and still am very interested in the whole UFO phenomenon, and I was going to the uh, MUFON meetings that were being held once a month in Los Angeles, and uh, the uh, CIRO's founder, Yvonne Smith, would often attend those meetings, and um, a very lovely lady whom we all know um, uh, and I worked with, also attended those meetings, and so I met Yvonne through this friend, um, Don Wells, and um, I joined the group through that connection. And uh, even though I didn't claim to be an abductee at the time, I was very, very interested and fascinated by that whole phenomenon, and so I was welcomed uh, into the group. I know because I remember because uh, what what year were you born in? I think there was a, a thing that a lot of us uh, oh, kind of ended up in this. Yeah, a lot of us uh, ended up in this group. And I remember one day we were all sitting there and we all have different experiences. And what links us is having, uh, I had a lot of stress due to uh, having abduction experiences. And I was not happy with it. So I joined a group out of necessity. You know, I had contacted uh, Dr. Mack in, uh, at Harvard, and he sent me to Yvonne, and so that's how I ended up there. And I started, we started talking, like, all of a sudden a group. So I remember you were there. We're all sitting in a group talking. And I was like, how many people here? Because Yvonne was born in 52. I was born in 52. You were born in 52. And a lot of us are. I think there, out of a room of 19, 12 of us were born in 1952, which I thought was odd. Oh, very interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, because did you know Yvonne was in 52 also? Yeah, I knew that, that her birthday was very, very close to to mine as well as to my uh, partner's birthday as well. That's right. And that's how I meant to you. And then uh, Gray would come to the functions. And uh, it's just uh, everybody that ends up over at Ciro. So if you ever have any um, issues with a subduction or need a support group, uh, you, I've never met a better group of people. And uh, you, you stand out because you've always been a helper and you've been very creative and uh, you're kind of uh, a really strong person there in the presence. So oh, well, you. thank you very much. I know, yeah, I miss it too, actually. And um, I know that if there is a group or uh, uh, something like that that is doing good work, that I resonate to, I always want to somehow participate or give back, you know. And so that that was one of the, the reasons I wanted to join the group was to be among the people of like mind, you know, and be able to uh, 
to support and help and and just experience that that similar resonance that we all seem to share together. Yeah, it's true, and um, it's just good to be a place where you can just breathe, just relax. You know what I mean? You don't have to do anything. You just talk and you just have to be yourself, and nobody's really telling you to do anything. It's just a, it's just yeah. really a positive thing. There's no cult thing. We don't have to do anything. You know what I mean? And uh, it's uh, I, I like that. I like that you just can be yourself and you have a safe place to vent or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. So I kind of miss that, but I still uh, I still relate to it, even though I, I'm not physically there, but I still relate to it very much. Yes. And so do you want to give us a little bit of your background, like where you grew up and, you know, when you first started having unusual experiences as a child? Uh-huh. Well, I was born in Puerto Rico. And um, as maybe some of you know, uh, Puerto Rico is a hotbed for UFO uh, incidents, UFO occurrences. And um, I I cannot claim to uh, have, believe it or not, I have never actually physically seen a UFO. (laughs) Um, However, I've for some reason, I have always been extremely attracted to and drawn to and fascinated and intrigued by the whole phenomenon ever since I was, I can remember, eight years old. And um, the only claim I have is to an experience is, is um, what I now consider to be sort of a lucid out-of-body experience that I had in the 1980s that um, we can talk about now or we can wait a little yep. later for that? Uh, uh, do you want to – we can we can uh, talk about it because then I wanted to hear about, you know, your influences from your parents too and what was going on right. with that. I know you're real close to your dad too. Right. Um, well, in this uh, out-of-body experience I had, um, it was interesting that the the – experience did take place in Puerto Rico in my parents' house, even though I hadn't lived there for several years. I had moved to New York already. Um, But the experience did take place in Puerto Rico, and um, I was about to actually visit my parents within a few days. But the dream took place where I was in my parents' house and walking down the hall, and I encountered my father, and he didn't really say much to me and kept walking. Then I encountered my mother, and uh, for some reason, all of a sudden, I asked her, I said, wait a minute, can you see me? Do you know I'm here? And she said, yes, I can see you, and I know you're here. I said, oh, okay, cool. So then I kept walking, and I walked outside, and it was nighttime, but the sky was crystal clear, and I looked up at the sky, and I could see the stars, and it was it was so vivid, I could actually see almost like the galaxy, like the Milky Way was showing. And there was there was this energy that was flowing almost like water across the stars, so that they rippled. If you can, if you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah. Yeah, and so the stars were were kind of like rippling. And they were they were extremely bright, almost like jewels in the sky. They were sparkling, 
and I looked up at that and and thought how beautiful. And then I there was a special energy that just uh, enveloped me and the whole setting, and it was it was it was very hyped up and very real. And so I continued on back to the backyard. And I, as I was in the backyard facing the house on either side of me in the neighbor's yards, these black rectangular objects began landing. And they had um, only what I could describe as Christmas lights encircling them, those kind mm-hmm. of lights. And they landed on, on legs, almost like uh, spider legs. And when they landed, they sort of bounced a little bit, you know. And so they weren't your typical disc shape, or, and they had really no other details. They were completely black except for the lights along the edges. And um, I got this telepathic communication that said, okay, we are real, but this is the only way that you will ever see us, which is in an altered state or a dream hmm. state. And so, I, so in the dream, I thought, oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm satisfied, you know, but as long as I know that, that you're real, that I'm not hallucinating or anything or, or just making this up, you know. So I was very satisfied with that. And um, that was about all the communication I had at that point. So then I started back towards the house, and suddenly it turned from night to day, and I was in, uh, walked to the uh, carport in uh, Puerto Rico. Most people have open car pel- carports rather than enclosed garages because of the mm-hmm. the climate. You know, it's a tropical climate. So, so I walked towards the. I was in the carport, and right next to me in the in the the little side area next to the carport, there was this small uh, saucer-shaped object, and there were two or three small entities that were digging in the ground. And unlike uh, popular images of, you know, entities, of, of UFO entities, these were not gray they were actually kind of beige or tan colored and they were dressed in little jumpsuits or something akin to that and uh, they were just busy digging in the ground and one of them kind of looked towards me and did not seem at all happy to have been discovered. uh, That was the impression I got. And Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) I was, so I was sort of hiding uh, in the behind one of the concrete uh, walls of the carport and peeking out. And then at that point, I became very, very aware of my face against the hard concrete wall. And, and I thought, oh, my God, this is real. This is really happening. I'm here. And as soon as I made that realization, I began to come back to my body in stages, you know, first I could feel my feet and my legs and my torso and so forth, got back in my apartment in New York. 
So that that was my experience. Wow. And that's what I that's what I can lay claim to. And um, well, yeah, but this is you're describing, uh, you know, a UFO experience to me. I have. It's just I I don't think I even said this on the air. Maybe a long time, maybe three even three years ago, but I never bring it up. But I had a very odd experience that I don't really have shared about because it was just so peculiar. But wherever I was at the time, now this is that as an adult, I had a porch and these black boxes landed on the front porch. And I remember looking at this dense blackness. They're like black boxes. And I was looking at them. I went, this can fly? You know, they literally looked (laughs) like a box. And yeah. I couldn't, and they were very dense and very dark. And a top did open, and I did get in there. I don't know how I fit in there, because they didn't appear to be that big, but they they really were. And um, I don't bring it up too often because it was just like a, a I was startled to look at them, you know. And I just got in nonchalantly, got in like that's really not me. I'm usually running or you know having trauma, but I actually got <laughs> yeah. in like almost voluntarily and was looking at it quizzically like these square boxes can they were flat they were not flat they were cubic black boxes that flew yeah yeah these objects that i saw were were big they were like box cars you know but completely wow. black except for the lights around the rim and then they had the legs that were kind of like spring like or spider like that uh, for their landing gear Wow. You know, um, it sounds like, uh, you know, the body and the mind can only tolerate so much. It sounds like you're also being uh, protected and projected, like somehow you did leave your body. Because you you described it like, uh, do you think it's more of a projection or a near-death thing? As a, You're only nine, right? Oh, no, this happened when I was an adult. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I was living in New York at the time, but in the dream, I would, the dream took place back in Puerto Rico. Um, okay. In, pres- in present day, yeah. However, yeah. Let, me, let me just clarify this, that the, at the portion of the experience where I approached the house and it was daylight, and I saw mm-hmm. the little critters. Um, right. I felt that I was younger because it looked like um, the the house and the yard. They looked like what their appearance was. What was when I was younger and we had first moved into the house, where there was still no grass in the yard area, and it was mainly just dirt and clay. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. What part of New yeah. York were you in? Because I, you know, I lived upstate New York too. Oh, well, I lived in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn Heights. Yeah, Brooklyn Heights. That's upstate the river in Poughkeepsie. But a lot yeah. of there's a lot of uh, sightings in New York. A lot. We're talking mm-hmm. Whitley and uh, uh, you know Linda, the famous one over the Brooklyn Bridge, and. Uh, and I was living you know, there when it happened, and I was like, "How could I have missed that?" <laughs> you know, we had been we had sort of like messaged about her. You know, I I did find her, 
and uh, uh-huh. asked her to be on, and she did consent to be on, but I'm going to have to do, like, a special show on a Saturday night because she has, like, Fridays committed somewhere. So I am going to have her on there. We're talking about Nip- oh. Linda Napoliano, and uh, she also has another name. But uh, I am just very interested in that case. Uh, it's You know, the creepiness factor to me is so strange because so many people witnessed it. And the and the people that saw it were every cross of life from political to law enforcement to civilians and people just saw this woman floating out of an apartment building. Yeah. Yeah, and and how that didn't make headlines, uh Yeah. You know, is amazing to me. Me too. It's just uh I don't know, it's always held my interest, you know, I'm a lifelong abductee, uh I just had something happen because, uh, you know, to my startling horror, a couple years ago, I was talking to uh, Steve Colburn, and I uh-huh. I was talking to him about that. I said, Steve, you know, I thought when I, you know, came to a part of my life where I was no longer childbearing age and all that, uh, that this would be over, and it's never stopped. It's always, it's it's different now. I said, but there's still stuff going on. He said, well, you're... He told me I'm a class something CE. He said, they're never going to stop with you. I went, what? I was very <laughs> disturbed. I was felt, this yeah. is a ripoff. I thought I could retire from the abductee thing. <laughs> uh, I really did. I thought there was a retirement age, but I guess <laughs> they're actually following the. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you know. I guess for some people it's a, it's a lifelong uh, phenomenon, you know. Yeah, there's like a, a reason, but just recently, um, you know, I've had the, some of the oddest ones since since the things have changed up. You know, really odd. Um, I actually knew something was happening, but I didn't want to open my eyes just a couple nights ago, and I thought I heard a very loud dove cooing in my my uh, my house where I was sleeping. In my bedroom, wow. huh. and it was cooing, and, and that's what woke me up was the loud cooing. And um, I said, "Okay, I'm not going to open my eyes right away because I'm going to listen to it for a while." I don't know why I said that to myself, you know, because usually you hear something, you go, you go look. This time I kept yeah, my right. eyes closed, and when I did that, when I became conscious and started listening, I was aware of something leaving, and it was aware I was now listening and conscious. And I didn't open my eyes right away intentionally because I didn't want to see what was there. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. when I woke up I went, Oh good, two o'clock in the morning, there's no dove in my house. You know, then the <laughs> then your then your senses come back. So I don't know if we're being given a suggestion to sleep or or what do you think that's about? Um that's interesting. Um it could be a suggestion to calm us down, you know, maybe after an experience yes. with that they um they sort of play maybe a sound in our heads to calm us down, something that they know will soothe us. And um Yeah, and, you're correct. Uh, John, I, I love the cooing of a dove. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I, find, I, I do I find it very soothing also in that Wow. What a thing um, to to get you with a dove cooing but it was loud. I mean louder than a <laughs> You know, not louder and in the house at two in the morning. So that that's when it, it it didn't. It was rational while I was enjoying it, but yeah. not after I got up. You know, yeah. so you've had you know quite an interesting life. You, you've uh, 
have been open-minded about uh, spiritual things and uh, what influence did your parents have on you? Well, what was, were you were, what were they religious? Did they have experiences in your family that everybody talked about? Uh, no, not really. Um, it was never brought up. And in fact, um, this is interesting. Even though my mother was a very avid science fiction uh, reader, she loved science fiction and fantasy, uh, she didn't believe in any of that stuff. In fact, she rather poo-pooed it, you know. So nothing yeah. was ever nothing was ever discussed like that. Even though as a kid, like I said earlier, I always had a a, a very strange but intense interest in in the paranormal and metaphysics and all that sort of thing. Uh, but it was never talked about in the house, and they they never tried to discourage me in those in those interests. But still, it was like, oh, fine then. And my mom would read her science fiction, <laughs> but that would be about the extent of it, you know. No, um, they didn't say that grandma would, you know, had ESP, or they didn't say that anybody in the family, because usually it starts yeah. with somebody. Yeah, it usually does, and it runs in families and, and, and yeah. throughout generations. And I'm, so I'm sure there was something there, but I never knew about it, really. Um I remember one time uh, my dad described uh, uh, a little experience he had when he was uh, a young adult where where he felt a presence uh, in the room with him and it was pressing down on him uh, while he was in bed and he couldn't get up. And and the only thing that kind of broke that was that he he cried out. No, he yelled and um, then he was able to break it and get up. and also, you know, in, in in Puerto Rico back then in the 50s, in the 40s, in the 50s, you know, and and uh, my relatives, my family at my, on my dad's side, they lived out in the country, and so mm-hmm. there there would be there would be a lot of uh, folklore and ghost story type legends and right. and things like that that was just sort of part of everyday living, you know. Yeah, and so that's interesting. Nothing really that they considered special, like we might today. You know, we might think, "Oh, that's really unusual." But to them, it was it was sort of normal. You know, so they never. It's not like they all always talked about it or anything. Yeah. So they were they conservative? Would you say? Uh, actually, no. They were rather uh, open-minded, progressive people. At least my parents were. You know, they came yeah. from they came from more conservative uh, religious families, and this is very interesting that uh, both my parents were atheists, and I was raised uh, in a household with no religion whatsoever, and um, which makes my interest in the paranormal and metaphysics and spirituality all that more interesting. It sure is. It's uh yeah. Yeah, because my mom, my parents, you know, my parents were uh, weird, kind of, because they, I know my mother, they're all Greek Orthodox, and my mother is too, and I am too, but that kind of fell away with you know, everybody born after me. But um, very intensely religious on that side. And yeah. my mother never took me to church. It wasn't like that. I took myself to church. 
And my dad uh-huh. thought of the Bible, and even though his mother was like a pastor in her church, she was a, actually, she was like a new ager. She was one of the, I'm trying to think, more of a unity person with oh, the yeah. little stars yeah. of the, I can't more know. Of a, yeah. More of a, a spiritualist. Type of, uh, yes, very more, more, very much so. When I was reading up on the new thought and all that, and uh, spirituality, it's very much what my uh, paternal grandmother was like. You know, and I think that's very oh. interesting. And she really believed in the, the same kind of principles. You know right. that uh, that what's on our mind is what would help us be healthy, or you know stuff like that. But my dad thought the book was a history book. And then they turned out with a kid like me who I would consider a, like a mystical of mystical experiences since uh-huh. since since infancy. It's been going on all, all my life. So it is kind of, it doesn't really depend on who your parents are almost. Yeah, not maybe, necessarily. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I think we're born with um, uh, our own impulses and our own interests and talent, you know, that not necessarily do they come from our parents. We uh, think we're born as individuals, and, and uh, we come with our own, we, we come wired in our own special ways that don't necessarily have to do with our background or with our upbringing, for that matter. That's true. Yeah, and um, because that's for you, because you're... Uh, but your, your parents were atheistic, and then what came in, what did you think about uh, spiritual matters, like w- when you were a little kid, what did you believe about God, or what did you think existed outside of ourselves? Uh huh. Well, I was always interested in like ghosts, you know, the possibility of spirits and ghost stories, yeah. paranormal and things like that. Um, my parents sort of poo-pooed the idea of God being atheist, of yeah. course. Um, yeah especially the idea that God was a person, you know, that God was an old man with a beard sitting up on a throne in the clouds and and passing judgment, you know, with human emotions and like, I'll, I'll bless you, but I won't bless you. And I'll, you know, I judge you and I'll give you this, I'll do this favor for you, but not you, you know, that kind of thing. And right. um, so I did kind of grow up with that, uh, idea or well, that concept uh, of an old man with a beard sitting up in the sky, and that never made sense to me. You know, I yeah. couldn't accept that, and um, I thought that was a lot of hooey. Pardon, pardon my description. <laughs> no. Um, however, um, again, you know, I was fascinated by uh, the idea of that there was some kind of intelligence or some kind of designer or some kind of creator or, in other words, I didn't, you know, the universe was just sort of some kind of cosmic accident. I thought behind it all there had to be some kind of uh, creator or first cause or first source or something like that, you know. So that's something that I came to came to accept and believe uh, as I was growing up. You know, it was not an overnight thing. This was a gradual kind of uh, learning for me. 
um, yeah. while I was growing like up. As you matured and developed, then you develop right. your your concept of a higher power. You know, that's uh, right. I think that's 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 very interesting to do that. And uh, you're kind of it was like almost having a a blank slate to live on. Nobody was forcing anything on you, and then. You know, you were developing in your own way. I think I think that's that's good. You know, well, that's, in many yeah, ways, you know, you don't have all the fear because uh, I have a lot of fear connected with mine. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but God didn't do that to me. Okay, my parents, my right. the other. Well, what happened was, you know, my parents weren't taking me to church. I took myself to church, so I would go any place that was within walking distance, right? So you know where yeah. I ended up. I ended up really with the Pentecostals half the time, the Catholics. Hardly ever got to a Greek church, uh, but I did when I could. You know, I had to walk everywhere. So I ended up in Cambodian yeah. churches and all kinds of stuff. And there was a lot of <laughs> hell and fire and damnation. I was going straight to hell constantly because I was like a little <laughs> wild kid. <laughs> so I was nervous yeah. about it, you know. <laughs> So, uh, right. you know, so I have quite a, a mix of, of things going on in my childhood, but I think it's good that we develop. We have a brain, but now the top scientists in the world are saying there is a creative divine intelligence. There is a big intelligence up there. Oh, yeah. That and is the way uh, they're describing it. They're saying it's impossible not to be. We could. We did not just randomly create here. It didn't happen like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe that. And being, you know, being artistic, being a cartoonist and artist and so forth, I just see the, I, I see the evidence of a design in nature everywhere I look, you know. And it's yeah. impossible for me to conceive that there is not some kind of art or, or designer in back of or the source of nature, you know, so that, um, that beauty is not an accident. And uh, uh, so to me, that is proof positive that there is some kind of creative intelligence that's higher than we are, but that lives within us that we're part of yeah. and, we can, and that we can use in our daily life for our highest good, you know. That's, uh, I believe, the same thing, that... I do believe in the divine creator, and I do believe it's within and without, you know, that, uh, you know, and that there's a balance to all of this. I do have a, a lot of traditional beliefs also, but I do have, have had so many divine interventions. I don't know if you have, but so many mm-hmm. proofs and helps and coincidences and oh, yeah. uh, so many miracles that's happened constantly, you know, that uh, I don't know how people aren't experiencing all that. Like, you're missing, yeah. like, what? If you I really talk to people, some people that don't believe anything, I think you're, like, missing half the air. You have half, half the <laughs> oxygen or something, you know, because yeah. it's, it's such a richness to it, and uh, there's just so much. I mean, you never, even if you started studying one thing, you would never get done doing it, you know, considering it all, yeah. you know? So, so um experience that... Um, what we think we create that thoughts have power and so yes. our thoughts create our reality and our beliefs create our reality whether we're conscious of them or not. So even people who say, oh, I don't believe, I don't believe, 
it still works because their reality is that it will appear not to work. You know what I'm saying? Yes. In other words... I believe the uh, same thing. That's what the universe will reflect back to them are so many reasons why they don't believe. You know, they will find an infinite amount of reasons why there's no reason to believe, whereas people who do believe, they will have in their experience an infinite amount of reasons why believing creates their reality. So it's always working whether you're conscious of it or not, you know. And so when you become conscious of it, then you really have, then you really become proactive in, in creating your experience. Right, I I totally believe that, and that um, that prayer, meditation, and that that positive focus uh, can really get you help. When sometimes there's no help coming from anywhere, and you have to get some oh, kind know. of divine. Because sometimes there's no help there. Because I'm not saying uh, for some reason, but I, some reason I do become reach, unreachable at times because of myself. Not due to anybody else, it's because of me. Let's say I'm into blaming or I'm uh, saying, oh, this happened to me or whatever. And then I become like self-interested, which removes me from the help I should be seeking. Like, get your butt out there. You know, instead, mm-hmm. you know, you're not you're not taking the calls. You're hiding in your room or whatever the problem is, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, prayer helps. And mm-hmm. I have actually been in a jam. A serious jam. And I remember one time I was at work. I actually, you know, I'm pretty smart. I can think my way out of things. I could not think my way out of this jam. And I remember thinking, God, help me now. I I need your help mm-hmm. now. As soon as I finished the thought now, the phone rang just like that. I actually was made fun of it, kind of. Oh, the, oh yeah. is that you? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, God calling. I went over to the phone. <laughs> Believe it or not, oh. somebody picked it. Somebody called me. And said, I was just thinking about you. I went, you're kidding. She says, no, I'm coming through town. You want to meet for coffee? I went, do I? I said, come and get me. Went out to coffee. This is in Hermosa. And uh, it, it, it switched things for me right then. Right then. She was there just in the nick of time. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. You know. Well, and uh, yeah. that's it. That's how it happens. Um, the universe will always say yes to you. It will always say yes. So not only will it say yes to you in times like that when you think there is no outside help. See, we live in a universe of unlimited resources and solutions and possibilities. So Mm -hmm. even when it appears that there is no uh, help on a physical level, there's always a solution on the higher level. And so when we, again, uh, put out our thought or our intention or our desire for help, the universe says yes, and it provides it. It may not provide it in the way that we may have thought it should, but it always will one way or the other, you know? Yeah. Well, and it does, and uh, sometimes it even helps. Like when you're in some kind of a jam, because I know that's probably when most of us reach out is when, you know, we're in trouble or in pain or emotional hurt or 
something like that is that uh, you, I, the way I think of it is when I'm, you know, not in the closed off frame of mind and I have my mind open, I think, okay, I think in the universe of it all, it's the big universe out there. There has to be an answer for this issue. <laughs> so it's there. I mean, the universe is generous. You know, it's almost like if you believed in angels, they're kind of standing on their tippy toes waiting just to serve you. You know, well, but exactly. you've never asked. You know, it's like starving when the dinner is right there, but you never ask for, for any. Right. It's there. We just have to know that, number one, that it's there, and number two, that we can um, take advantage of it or have access to it or use it, you know. That's that's where the enlightenment comes from is, is when we realize that uh, we have the power, we can use this power to our, to our good, for our highest good. And once right. we realize we have that ability then we can use it. And with practice, we can, use, we can grow skilled uh, in using it, more and more skilled. Well, how big a part does trust play? I'm sorry? How big a part does trust play? Oh, well, trust plays a huge, huge part because nothing will squelch your results than not trusting that it will come to you. Why is that? Because, again, the universe says yes. So the universe says, okay, you don't trust, then I'll show you reasons to not trust. But if you trust, you're tuning into that consciousness that it's already there, it's for you, you can use it, you can have it, and so the trusting, in fact, is almost a tool that you use. The same as faith. Faith and trust together are actually spiritual mechanisms that give the power to your desire and make them manifest, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, trust uh, trusting that power greater than yourself, because I call it casting your bread upon the water. There's like a simple phrase for that. It's mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to take that step forward when you don't even know what the heck you're doing. You just know you've oh, got yeah. to have a positive intention to faith forward. Just go. And, oh, yeah. and then you're okay. honored along the way. I don't think it, you know, you can stay stuck for a long time, but if you just take that step forward, you know, and honor the process, and then you just start moving. Right. And expect well, you know, taking, it Yes. Taking the first step will always reveal the next step, and then the next step after that, and so on and so forth. See, when you put out an intention, and you're very strong within that intention and that desire, the universe yeah. and you and and you have no idea how in the world it's going to ever happen, you know, even if yeah. it seems impossible, the universe will start arranging itself to provide you with the ways and means that your intention can be manifested. It's just it's just one of those spiritual laws. I have no idea how it works or why, but I know that it does and I know that I've had 
multiple demonstrations of that. You know, I when I'm when I'm driving at night and sometimes uh you know how sometimes there's not a lot of street lights on for some reason, even here in California mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm going down the road and I can only really see what's in front of me with the headlights. And then yeah. I often think I could actually get on the ten and drive to New York and all I could see is just with the headlights showing me right in front of me. I don't have to know farther than that. I just know I'm staying on the ten and I'm pointing east and I can get to New York <laughs> without knowing anything else. Yeah, you know what I mean? And exactly that's the kind it. of safety. That's it. It's like you have to have this working faith that it will get you by and get you down there. And you don't need to know the road signs and all that. I think sometimes right. you would mess it up if you did know. Because mm-hmm. exactly. some of it gets pretty scary when when your your greatest heart's wish you keep treasured and guarded and it comes true. You know, you guard it all the way till you get there. You don't really want to die, you know, from from uh-huh. broken hardness or whatever. But I do believe we all have a divine wish and a divine pain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's something that makes us tick, and there's also that one thing that hurt us more than anything else. But also there's the, the blessing that we wish for and never tell. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, can you repeat that last statement again? Well, it's like we also have like this divine wish that we want and we'll yeah. never tell exactly what it is because we wouldn't want. It's like almost like inviting uh, some lumberjack into the garden and even starts chopping the trees down. You know what I mean? So you don't uh-huh. want to invite anybody in there so that they'll mess it up, whatever it is, because you're not telling. Oh. But, but, God, but God knows. The universe knows. And yeah. you're going towards that, you know, mm-hmm. that's where the trust factor oh, comes in. Yeah, absolutely. In other words, it's like you don't want to invite in any negativity or any doubt right. or any, if I may say, any common, what we would call common sense, you know, as to, well, forget it. You can't have that. Or you'll never exactly. do that. Blah, blah, blah. You know, any of that monkey mind talk. Um, you, I absolutely agree. You keep it to yourself, and you have to keep your intention strong and pure and yes. um, keep focusing on the result you want or the dream that you have because another spiritual law is that what you focus on increases, right? So mm-hmm. if, you focus, if you keep focused on your intention or your dream, that will give it power to to manifest. If you focus on doubt or negativity or any of the outside conditions that would, uh, you know, say no to you, then that is what will manifest. So the universe will say yes, no matter what. So it'll, you know how it says how it, it rains on the on the sinner and the saint alike. Yes. So, in other words, this this intelligence has no preference um, as to the saint or the sinner, but it will always respond to positivity. So it will respond to negativity as much as it will it will respond to positivity. 
which is why you need to stay focused on what you do want and not on what you don't. <laughs> if that makes sense. That's right. And yes, it does make sense. And then add those things uh, uh, to yourself. Uh, I think how studying along the lines you're interested in helps. Um, uh, staying uh-huh. focused, uh, being around people that are the same way. Um, you know, even if your stuff is different, because not everybody, even with similar people, is still not going to be exactly the same. But uh, just keep the stuff well, that you can are, use uh, and ignore the yeah. rest of it. You know, because yeah, you're not going to fix or make anybody, everybody perfect. Right. It doesn't work like and, that. And it doesn't work like that. Um, but it's always good to keep yourself surrounded by people of, of at least like mind who are at least sympathetic to yeah. to what to your your own spirituality and your own uh, personality and all that sort of stuff. You know, I was at a talk recently, and it was uh, given by Stephen Bassett, and it was for something else. It was for. Uh, you know, the the global disclosure thing and all that from our government. And so he's really into the political thing of, of a lot of the UFO contacting stuff. But anyway, he said something that I wrote down because when he said it, it was kind of stunning hearing from him because, you know, he's a very, he seems to be a very uh, pragmatic person. And, uh, you know, he, he can speak for what a lot of people don't speak. Like if you're an experiencer, uh, you can get pretty tied up in all this, and it's very hard to just speak what it is and then, you know, go on with it. Because you, you, every time you talk about, let's say, your uh, your out-of-body experiences or this or that, you're actually reliving it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he isn't really hampered by a lot of that. He really talks pretty much politically and to the point. But he made, he said a little statement I never heard from him before, and because it was pretty, uh, it was uh, it was a nice surrounding, and you know, it was like mostly just interested people there. But anyway, he said this. He said we are unbelievably special and important. And when he said that, now I've heard that before that um, we are like royalty, and we're all so unique and one of a kind. Like, why is that? That's what I when I wrote that little thing down the road. That's what I was thinking. Isn't it amazing how unique we are in all the universe that ever was? There's only one of us. Uh huh. And that we're yeah, that well, special I mean, that we'd be created like this. It's it's it's. Yeah. I don't know. Mind-boggling, really. It it really is mind-boggling. Yes, and um, yeah, you know, in my spiritual philosophy, um, they teach that um, each one of us is. A perfect expression of the universe, of spirit, you know, uh, yeah. of this intelligence. And uh, there is no one else like us anywhere. You know, each one of us is, in fact, unique. And um, that we make a difference in the universe. You know, we, we're just, we, we are not biological accidents. We really, uh, we really are uh, unique expressions of this, of this life, of this force, this intelligence. And uh, it's up to us to make the most of it, to uh, yeah. become aware of that and, and live, each, live each day coming from that consciousness, you know. Yeah, because if we just understood, you know, how unique each person is, that how awesome we are in the universe, how unique and blessed, and how the effect we have on those and the whole, we impact the whole universe. Uh, mm-hmm. 
if if this information really got out, I I think a lot of people would change. I think that uh, people don't really value themselves as a person unique and how awesome one living being is. Right. Well, you know, we're in the especially in our society, we're not really taught that. No. Um, it's only, I think it's only now recently that uh, this kind of awareness is finally becoming more and more prevalent, that little by little this, this consciousness, this awareness, or if, if, you'll, if I may term, you know, the sort of new thought consciousness is finally mm-hmm. starting to uh, reassert itself. Right. Well, I think that uh, people need to have something to describe, identify, and kind of talk about, you know, that has some kind of common ground to even discuss this, you know, because if things were like people would try to, you know, have it all be one thing, there would be no discussion, there'd be no sharing of ideas because if it's not, if it's not my way, it's the highway. And I think a lot of this right. is what's going on with the tragedy in Paris and uh, of course forever in this world, you know, and uh, yeah. that yeah. there's one ideology that really thinks that they're right and there's no room for anybody else. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, you know, but they don't value their own lives either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't realize that each life well that life itself is precious and then that each individual intelligent life is even more amazing, you know, when you think about it. The fact that right. we possess the intelligence of this spirit, of this universal spirit on a human individualized level and that we can make that we're self-aware and that we can make conscious choices which make a difference in our experience, which is how our thoughts become our experiences, that we have that ability. That is, right. that is really amazing. It's it's amazing because, um, you know, people have have always made fun of, like, talking to plants and, down to the littlest life forms and everything else. But as Native people have always thought, and other people that respect life, uh, they're saying that even plants, it's horrible to think of it, but they know when you're going to eat them or whatever that. It's like, okay, we're going to have to have some kind of deal we have to come up with in our own mind. If everything has a consciousness, that that even the trees may be singing you know, chorus mm-hmm. is to God, you know, their creator, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to have to rethink the way we approach everything. But I, I feel that the, the Native people have a way of approaching things that, that appeals to my sacredness of everything is that if you're going to eat something, you know that it's a sacrifice for them, you know, yeah. so you honor the sacrifice. And I, and I and we should do that with all things, that we, we have to acknowledge it you know, because I don't think many people are going to be able to live on just like a, a leaf broth or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? There's, if it gets to the point where everything has some kind of intelligence, even yeah, plants, I, I see what I'm saying? That. We Every have to I actually honor them. Yes. 
Yeah, I have felt that nature, all of nature, has a consciousness and is conscious on many different levels. Even even the mountains, even the red rocks, out yeah. the donuts. That's right. Even, That's right. Everything has a. In fact, I have felt it. You know, and uh, um, wow. My favorite place on Earth happens to be Sedona here in Arizona, and uh, I have actually been in awe of the magnificence, not only of the terrain, but of the consciousness that I feel there. And so I feel that every time I am in nature, I feel closer to God, closer to spirit, closer to this intelligence, uh, whatever it is, and I can feel it not only without in nature, but also within me, you know, and that's 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 the principle of uh, new thought thinking, is that there is no separation between and us, you know, it's not it's not an old man with a beard sitting up in the sky that we're separate from. It's uh, a force and intelligence and energy uh, that's everywhere present and that we uh, are part of and made of as well. It is. You know, we're just after our first hour, and John, we're going to take a little couple minute break. Is that okay? And I'm going to put some music on. And you go ahead and take a, a break and get something to drink and uh, uh, walk around for me, and then I'm going to come right back, okay? All right. And I'll welcome you back now. We'll just take a minute. Thank you. Okay. Okay, we'll be right back, and I'll put a little bit of this uh, instrumental Let's Love the Baby on, and uh, we'll be right back after you take a very short break. After that, we can actually call in with our questions at 562. Uh, let's see what I want to get the right number here. Six six one nine nine two four nine seven four four is our call in number. So uh right after the break uh, you can call and ask uh, John some questions as we'll continue our discussion and this is a little music. Take care. Hold on a minute.
Okay, we're live with the paranormal and the sacred, and we're coming back to we're well into our second hour, and the phone number to call in with your questions. Speak with John at six one nine nine two four nine seven four four. And let me get him on once again. Hi, John. We're back. How you doing? I'm good. We're live. We're, we're live with the paranormal and the sacred. All right. Well, I'm excited to go into the second hour. The second hour. So, um, let's see. So we were, we were actually at uh, you know the metaphysical part of uh, how how wonderful you know each thing each thing that's come to existence really. And uh, you were you know, I remember when you were talking about uh, that you had looked up into the sky and you were looking and seeing the Milky Way and how the stars were uh, shining and all that and. Uh, it reminded me of uh, one time one of my clients told me that him and some friends were in San Pedro, and they were up in the, in the climbing the mountains, and it was at night, and they were up there, and they had been fooling around up on the hill and making out and drinking or whatever they were doing. And there was about eight people up there, and all of a sudden, he said it was stunning. They were looking at the Milky Way that was showing that night, and he said he saw they all saw the same thing that suddenly. It looked like the star, the, that part of the sky had developed a big crack in it. It was showing them all the galaxies. It kind of opened up, almost like oh, a geode. I know, and showed them all of that. I said, I said, what happened? He said, they were terrified. They really thought it was the end of the world. So they went screaming down the mountain, you know, running away from it. But they really thought it was the end of the world, that the sky had broken open. But I think from their vantage point, their point of view, I think they got a little bit of of sight into time and space and how it bends and sometimes we can see mm-hmm. things like uh from a fract fract what am I trying to say like a fractal reflecting point of view mm-hmm. like somehow yeah. at that moment in time they were actually able to see a, a reflection of somewhere in the universe they could actually right. look at it right that's what it sounds like yeah that maybe they just happened to enter a certain vibrational field or something that where they were able to, their senses were heightened and they were able to perceive what was probably there all the time, but which we normally cannot perceive, but for some reason this time their uh, consciousness was expanded so that they could perceive that. And they were given yeah, even though they were the, drunk on the hill, it's, they suddenly <laughs> became, it all happened to all of them, so it wasn't like, uh, it was uh, just one person whacked out. It was like everybody, and they all were afraid in the same way. They they saw a phenomena. I yeah. have seen uh, a couple things. I've seen twice. Besides, I've had uh, sights of uh, UFOs and things like that. But I saw, I what I thought was a pile of burning rags rolling, uh, hitting our atmosphere. I know I saw a comet strike. Uh, our atmosphere and it looked like rolling burning rags of fire and it was just rolling and rolling I almost made it home and I was still with my husband then and uh, I almost made it home in the driveway And but when I saw it I backed out I saw it and I pulled it and I went oh my god what did I just see so I backed out and tried to chase it so he ran out of the yard and said where are you going I said I saw something I want to see if it's still there they disappeared, but I think I was seeing. I think there's some kind of a a mirroring or a bending effect sometimes, and you're able to perceive something you wouldn't ordinarily see. 
I think that's yeah. what I was seeing. Actual, con- I thought it was something that broke through, and it looked like burning rocks, but it looked like rolling rags. Yeah. Like round up, like like tied up rags, burning mm-hmm. and rolling. Well, you know, I have come to believe that at least some UFO uh, sightings or phenomena are in fact from alternate dimensions or, you know, alternate universes or something that every so often they break through that we're able to perceive, you know. Because I do do also believe in the ET hypothesis. I also believe that we're also um, able to perceive alternate occurrences from other dimensions and things like that. Yes, I think that, you know, that kind of stuff happens to me all the time, but, you know, it's kind of an odd thing to talk about. You know, I talk about it because, uh, you know, I have a show talking about the paranormal, but, uh, you know, I have some seen some pretty odd stuff. And I think as I get older, I'm willing to know it's there. It's almost like that. It's like what you were saying. Yeah. I actually can feel it first, and I say, okay, I'm looking at you, so let me see. You know, I've gotten the uh-huh. courage to say that. And then I'll yeah. see whatever it is. And sometimes it's pretty damn odd. Mm-hmm. You know, like a building oh. will be one thing, but it's really something else. Okay, let me see what you really are. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's kind of scary to ask for, you know, because I don't know if you've seen everything. That's what I'm saying. I'm not asking for it, okay? I'm just saying it's happening. <laughs> you know, um, you never know. You never know, and it's so interesting that in my case, I am so interested and fascinated by this phenomenon and with, you know, the the universe and the workings of the universe and the spiritual laws that that, uh, I've come to be able to know how to use to an extent and so on and so forth. And yet, at the same time, I have really, like I said before, have never seen a UFO or had an abduction that I know of. You know, it's only been the dreams and the things like that. And yet I am perfectly clear that it's there, that it all, that it exists. Isn't that interesting? Yes, it's, it's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's the unspeakable things that you, you have a knowing and sometimes there isn't quite words for it, but it is real. And, uh, I think that, um, People are coming together, and they're they're kind of uh, you know there's there's parapsychology, there's mythology, spirituality, there's all kinds of things going on here, and then there's uh, actually uh, time and space anomalies, and there's all kinds of stuff, and I think people are becoming more and more aware of it, you know, uh, as time's going on. I mean, just think, you know, we've all brought it up, you know, how much the last hundred years, how much we have changed. You know, yeah. the last hundred years, it's a miracle. It was, it was gone, really. And the more that we become aware of this and the more that we talk about it and sort of, you know, bring it out of the closet, so to speak, then the more that we will be able to perceive it. Yeah. You know, it's like that, uh, the, the, um, I think some explorers were kind of, they had a ship, they brought it up to an island. But the people on the island could not see the ship. They had never right. seen anything like that. It was there, 
but they have never seen it before, so they, they couldn't see it. And what happened is the leader, the chief, was walking along the ocean by the on the shore, and he noticed the rippling of the water. And he could see the water displacement of the ship. And then he, then all of a sudden, when he notices the the water was being displaced by, you know, the lapping waves around the ship, all of a sudden he could see the ship, and he told everybody else, and they all could see it. You know, maybe that's what we're doing. Maybe we're telling each other so we can all see. Yeah, I think that's exactly what what is happening. And, you know, I think that the the more, I mean, as a society, we kind of keep things to ourselves because we think people will think we're crazy. But when you start to talk to people and begin trusting each other, um, discover that quite a lot of people have had these anomalous experiences that they're either they're, they think they're nuts or they don't believe in their own senses or they've been, they're, they're afraid of being ridiculed or whatever. But I think more people than we're aware of um, have had these experiences and are aware of this, this higher power and this bigger universe than, than we think, you know, and I bet you, if we, like you say, if we get together with people of like mind and we start picking mm-hmm. each other's brains, you know, we'd, uh, I think we'd be surprised at, at how many people um, are sort of coming around to this uh, growing awareness, you know, and this expanding consciousness. Yeah, because you have had, you know, uh, you know, 40 years of being not only a cartoon animator, but you're an illustrator, and I love your photography. And I noticed that there's a lot of the, like, DreamWorks and other places that you've uh, worked with in production houses, they actually address this a lot. Like, um, uh-huh. they do. yeah, they do. And have you found, uh, like, in certain movies, I can think of... Uh, uh, avatar stuff like that. I think the spirituality and responsibility and all the other uh, beautiful things are being expressed, you know, through even animation or in movies. And uh, some of my favorite movies are expressing what we're talking about. Oh, absolutely. And I'm noticing this uh, more and more with you know each time that uh, the dialogue or in the story, you know, they'll they'll always to be this sentence or a few lines or something about, you know, personal responsibility and and how you think you you create your reality and it's up to you and and you know pursue pursue your dreams and and focus on the positive and you know you've got it within you and all that kind of stuff. We're seeing that more and more uh in general across the board, you know, in in movies and and stories and and the you know things like that the power within you and to create and all that kind of stuff where it it definitely is becoming more and more apparent and even well, even the back years ago there even in songs and things from uh, from certain movies even the song lyrics you know it's very very uh, new thought oriented. <clears throat> And I don't know if the composer was aware of it when they were doing it, but somehow it was just coming out. You know, it was expressing, and, uh, and so that's happening uh, happening quite a bit right now. 
Well, think of Cohen's music and, you know, just think of some of those words that will just knock you out, really, when you're thinking about what, what the words of the songs are. You know, they mm-hmm. seem all dreamy when you're singing them, but if you were really, like, talking about them like poetry, you know, it's, uh, you know, like that song, True Love. You know, if you you and I are, are guardian angel, do you know what song I'm talking about? They just sing it at Christmas time. You and I have a guardian angel with nothing better than to, to do than to uh-huh. give to me and to give to you love to forever true. Right. That's one of the most beautiful things I ever heard of. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. know if you've heard that song. Um, sounds for me. I don't know if I've heard it. Yeah. But, uh, the, yeah, but that's the, what the words are saying. But every time that I hear it, I go, how beautiful, you know, that that is. So it's uh, yeah, it's running through everything. Now, you have also uh, written a book about uh, praying. And do you want to tell us about your book? Sure. Um, basically, the book is a guide to um, what is called assertive or affirmative uh, praying. And it follows the guidelines of basically using the your thoughts and words like we've been talking about to create results in your life. And so what affirmative prayer is, it does just that. It doesn't it's not a supplication. In other words, it's not a oh please God, if you feel so inclined, will you please do this or that for me? You know, it's not yeah. that kind of prayer. It comes from a much more assertive and proactive consciousness in which the person who's doing the praying um, realizes that their word is powerful in the universe. You know, we are using that force. So it describes um, a five-step procedure uh, that's involved doing this affirmation where you state what your intention is or what your desire is and you state it in the first person as though it's already done. And the reason you do that is because the universe has no concept of time. Remember how we were saying that everything is always infinite possibility and infinite resource an infinite right. solution will it all exist all at the same time in the universe now. So when you state your intention, your affirmation in the present tense, you're triggering the universe to manifest for you what's already there on a spiritual level. Okay? So, yes. so the process of the prayer triggers the universe into manifesting your intention or your desire on the physical plane. So the first step is that, just very briefly, is that you acknowledge that there is this power, God or spirit or intelligence or force or whatever term uh, is comfortable for you, and then you state that you are one with it, that there's no separation and that you're able to use it, 
And then step number three, you state your intention or your desire or your affirmation in the present tense. Um, step number four is you give gratitude. Say thank you for this. And again, this is getting back to the faith and trust. So saying thank you is, is again, using a spiritual tool, knowing that what, what you've asked for is already a done deal. Why? Because it already exists on a spiritual level. So you just, when you say thank you, that's giving a vote of confidence to, to the universe, kind of, yeah. that, that it's coming, that, that it's going to be yours, that it is yours. It just has to now manifest, and you have to trust that it will. And then finally, the fifth step after the gratitude is release. You release your affirmation into the universe so that it can work, so that it can go about the mechanism of working for you, of bringing about what it is that you've asked for. So it's, a, it's what we call a five-step affirmative prayer. And so that's what the book is about. It's basically a guide on, on how to use these five steps to, I guess, you know, get, manifest the good that you wish in your life. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, they're available. Perfect praying. Five simple steps to make prayers work is available on Amazon by John William Lopez. And you wrote it with Beatrice Elliott. And uh, you can get that book anytime. And you get it also on Kindle. And uh, you also illustrate have illustrated uh, books, too. And uh, I think you have great illustrations. And it's cute what you said about uh, this uh, this other book. It's uh, called The Grand- Royal Grandmother and Granddaughter of Oz. And, and that was from last year. And um, you said this is a story of, let's see, of... Uh, uh, a children's story. Uh, it's, yes. It's an Oz story. And um, it was written by a friend of mine who unfortunately is no longer with us. And um, he sort of got a hold of me via the internet and uh, asked if I'd like to illustrate the book. And I said, sure, I'd love to. And so it's, uh, it's basically what would happen, you know, if Dorothy were now a grandmother and she Mm -hmm. and and her granddaughter are once again swooped up in a, in a cyclone and go back to Oz, you know? And so the, the granddaughter takes the, today's modern technology in the form of her laptop, you know, back with with them to Oz, which has fallen into into chaos basically. And um they kind of together they restore Oz back to its original magnificence, you know. So it's it's quite a delightful book and um it is also available on Amazon as as well. Yes, and uh I really uh you're just a wonderful artist and uh I have displayed uh, some of his work and photography and art on, uh, they're watching it on your page, you know, as they're listening to the show. And um, it's just beautiful work, and you love these very rich colors and uh, vivid and stuff like that. It's kind of like Georgia O'Keeffe, but brighter. Brighter with, uh, <laughs> the, with the Latin spin on it. That's what it reminds me of. I love it. <laughs> I do, I love it. Yeah. So well, you're also... Uh, Excuse me? No, go ahead. Hello? Oh, okay. You're also a, a professional licensed spiritual counselor, 
and prayer practitioner. And uh, how can people, uh, you know, what, what is your what is your uh, profession? What do you do? And and how do you help people with this? And uh, where where are you doing this at? Well, um, this is something that you that we can do from anywhere, you know, because we have the computer, oh, yeah. we have the and also, and I also do personal one-on-one counseling. Um, yeah, I got into it uh, when um, I, I was introduced to uh, the spiritual teaching that I that I'm now a student of. Uh, I was introduced by my cousin who moved to L.A. She was a recovering Catholic. Okay. <laughs> and, she, and she needed, uh, she, was, she was looking for some other form of spirituality, you know, that, that, that um, talked about uh, oneness and, and the, the principles that we've been uh, discussing here. And so she was introduced to what is the, uh, the new thought philosophy, which is called religious science or science of mind. And this is not to be mistaken with Scientology, that you have nothing to do with each other. Um, yes. Science of Mind has been around for almost a century. It was It's a product of the New Thought Movement, which be, began back in the late, late 1800s, um, which basically was, you know, how to think in a new way about God and your spirituality and your oneness with it and the universe and how to use that. So she introduced me to this, and um, I took to it right away. I just resonated to it because, as it turned out, it was like, well, it was what I would believe in to begin with, you know, just on my own. Um, right. So when I found out, oh, my God, there's actually a, a philosophy already in existence. It was like, oh, that's so cool. So anyway, I started uh, reading about it and and. And it was founded by a, a man named Dr. Ernest Holmes back in the early 1920s. And uh, they started having services, and now it's grown into a very, very large uh, organization, which is called the Centers for Spiritual Living. And, you know, it's all across the United States and in Europe. And uh, they have uh, weekly services, weekly lectures and talks. And um, so within that, uh, people have the opportunity to train and take classes to become uh, professional licensed practitioners where they can uh, do this, what they call spiritual mind treatments, as opposed to just a prayer. You know, they call it a spiritual mm-hmm. mind treatment where we're licensed and trained to do this kind of affirmative a prayer that we've just been talking about on a professional level. And so I saw that when I first got into the teaching and I said, oh, my God, these people are great. I want to do that, you know. Yeah. And so I just, I just kind of resonated with that. And I took the classes and took the training. And so now I'm a professional practitioner. So, you know, people come to me if they have an issue in their life, no matter what it might be, where they would like what we call treatment for. You know, it's a spiritual treatment um, akin to like how a doctor treats a patient. Only we're... Like healing? Yes, 
we're treating people spiritually. You know, it's, yes. it's all it's all mental and spiritual. Yeah. And um, we uh, so we do it. Uh, we 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 just do treatment for them. We do affirmative, assertive prayer for them on whatever issue uh, they want. So that's what I do, and uh, so I do it at the center where I go here in Tucson, and I've had people call me from Europe, and um, we've had Skype sessions from Europe, and I have mm-hmm. I uh, I do personal written treatments for people, and or if it's over the phone, I do a verbal treatment for them, and then again I do the one-on-one uh, session with them in person. Yes. Um, is this, uh, it's, it's like, uh, something I used to read this little magazine, I think it was from the Unity Church. Did they have uh-huh. like a monthly magazine that came out? Was yes. it called like the Unity Magazine? Yes, there, is, there is a Unity Magazine. In fact, Unity and Science of Mind both come from the same source of new thought. Unity yes. Branched out on its own, science of mind branched out on its own, and um, there is a Unity magazine. Um, and there's also a Science of Mind mag- monthly magazine that comes out. Yeah, because I remember uh, when I got early into uh, the recovery thing, and I'm a long time recovering uh, alcoholic, let's just say, and that. Uh, I, the this Unity magazine really helped me. That was like one oh. of my first uh, pieces of material that, that really the the that helped me a lot. Absolutely, um, yeah. The magazines are are wonderful. They um, not only do they have wonderful inspirational articles, but um, I know in the Science of Mind magazine. There is a daily affirmation or a daily yeah. prayer for every day of that month. That's what I'm talking about. I found that I kept that for a long time. I don't know. Well, because you know, you start picking up and reading so many materials, but that was one yeah. uh, that I connected with like many, many moons ago. And uh, I had it for a long time along with all my other stuff. But I remember mm-hmm. that very much helped me. Uh, uh, step into the positive and uh, and we start removing myself from the negative. I mean, it's been a long process, but, you know, it, oh, it takes a long time. Unless your hand's burned off, it's nice to take a long time to let go of an old <laughs> way of doing stuff, you know, yeah, especially if yeah. you're, yeah, so especially you know, if you're an addict of any kind. Yeah. As soon as you realize, as soon as you begin to notice the negativity, That's when you begin to have a choice over whether it continues to be a value to you in your life or not. And if you realize, no, I don't think uh, this has any value for me anymore, then you can turn toward, again, focusing on what you do want, not on what you don't. And so that's the point where you can start making other choices and focusing on higher ideas, on things that serve you rather than what doesn't serve you. Um, do, do you actually even um, because I, I from there I think I went to like more of a Jungian approach. Uh, Carl Jung to me was uh, 
and still is like something I could really go for because I think it's you know very artistic uh, leanings and stuff like that. I found it really compatible talking about uh, how we have all these meanings to everything and how do you feel about uh, that kind of thought too? It's psychological, oh, but it's also yeah. symbolic. Like the symbolism is is intense. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and the symbolism I think is, um, well, I should say, a symbol of the uh, of the spirituality, the spiritual concept that's behind the symbol. If that makes sense. Yes. So well, because it, it seems to work. He worked it out. That was his. Thing that went along with a lot of maybe myth and pathos from even the ancient Greeks and all this uh, from worldwide, really. You pull from everywhere, which is uh, just goes to tell you, like, let's say Joseph Campbell and all those people, you know, are to me uh, uh, is just endlessly interesting. I don't know if you, you got into yeah. any of that. Well, I've, I have studied it, and um, to me, what it is 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 a reflection of that there's only it's a reflection of this universal intelligence. It's the reflection that as a human Mm. race we all share one mind. And so the symbol and you know and it's 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 the universal mind actually. And we're all individual parts of it. And so all these symbols and and myths and things like that you know, they're all common to every one of us. And I think that's because there is only one mind and so all these 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 symbols and psychological or spiritual or visual or 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 cultural or social or what what whatever, they're they're all part of this intelligence that that we can have access to. Yeah, because we're the, each of us is like a little hold a little mirror up of what this divine intelligence is like. Exactly. You know, what about what about the negative stuff? What is that reflection of? Like, how do we count for the bad? Um, I think that the bad or the negative is human created. I don't believe that there's a God out there or a spirit out there that knows anything about negativity and that as human beings on this planet with free will, we're the ones who can screw it out because <laughs> we have free choice. And we're the ones who can uh, create the so-called evil or not. You know, And that usually yeah. comes from, from fear or from uh, the fear of lack or the fear that that you have more than I do, or you want to take away what I have, or that I will have less than, or, you know, a very, very, very basic, basic concept. Um, Because from fear comes uh, insecurity and comes anger and comes hate. Yes. And it's all based on fear. And we're the ones who create it, you know. Spirit knows nothing of that. Well, I'm sure, uh, you know, that the divine, because do you believe in divine beings like angels and things like that? Absolutely. I mean, we're all manifestations of of this life force, right? And we're all 
vibration. In other words, we all exist at different vibrations and different levels and of energy and things like that. You know, just as yeah. in radio or in or anything like that. It's all it's all on different frequencies and different vibrations. So absolutely. So here on the physical level we're we're living at a certain vibration and so of course there are there are higher vibrations and more sublime vibrations and higher or lighter or different forms of expression just as there are lower vibrations or denser vibrations than mm-hmm. this you know so i think it's um i think it's an infinite uh piece of the universe is infinite you know i think it's an infinite um kind of say uh, essence an infinite uh energetic i mean deepak chopra excuse me yeah. and that we all live in some kind of a quantum soup you know within which exist all these different frequencies and vibrations and so on and so forth and we just happen to sort of be at this certain level of vibration. And so, yes, um, there are higher uh, beings and higher intelligences and, and, and which express in different forms and, uh, and to infinity. I mean, we have no idea, you know. I think wow. we can perceive maybe just one or two of those, but beyond that, we have no clue. <laughs> So, yeah, we're like in a, like you said, we're in like a quantum soup or stew of our own Uh making. So picture Uh that, people. You're creating (laughs) your own soup. So whatever ingredients you're putting in, that's what you're going to have to eat later. So uh, come out of the oven. (laughs) That's exactly what you put in there is what you're going to get out of there. So you put in, well, you know. Whatever, yeah. you can just be sure what the ingredients you're putting in is something you're going to want to eat later because I think we're giving ourselves a lot of this stuff. And the picture was so vivid when you said it about being in this quantum soup. Oh, Lord. What a mess. Yeah. <laughs> and just imagine every, you know, ingredient you stuck there, you know, even the stuff that doesn't even work or stinks or doesn't taste good anymore. You just have it floating around the top. Yeah, it's disgusting. So switch it up, and because you want that good, healthy, nutritious life and soup that you will have to take a uh, take a bite of or whatever, you know. So uh, that's why we have to have this uh, mindfulness and to work hard towards improving ourselves. You know, I think we're all like works in progress. So we're always I believe in progress rather than perfection, and I think you know someday we might obtain it when well, we're near. Our, you know, we, we are born, we're born perfect, actually. Yeah. We're saving, we're born perfect. In other words, we come equipped with everything we need to make it in this life. We're born with it. Yeah. We just have to become aware of that and know how to use it. That's all. And by saying that's all, I don't mean to make it sound like it's easy because it's not. But I'm just saying that the concept itself is very simple, that we already are perfect because we already, because we're an expression of the spirit. You think that God or the spirit is going to create something that's not perfect? Hello? 
You know, it's another yeah. reason why I, I, I turned to New Thought was because um, that concept is, is that this God is, is only being perfect, can only create out of itself perfection. It does not make mistakes. So as no. expressions of this, of this life force, we already have what it takes. We come pre-wired. Uh, to to make it in life. Our challenge is that we need to become aware, pre-wired, that we already have all the tools we need, um, and then once we uh, this awareness starts growing, then we can start practicing on using those tools, those spiritual tools, to uh, create the kind of life that we want to. You know, what you're saying is, you know, so true because um, uh, I, I, I do believe, though, that uh, there's meaning in everything, even though sometimes things, people, things and people seem off the wall or crazy or a horrible accident or a bad thing. There's some ultimate good that our creator always brings out of the worst uh, circumstances and situations. That's what it seems like to me. Like there's a lesson in everything. Yeah. In other words, it's it's what is the the real what's really happening underneath or behind yeah. the 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 apparent condition or the situation. You know. Yeah. Because our physical conditions and our situations are the result of a first cause. The result they're the result of an action we took or a choice we made or, you know, a situation or whatever. They're just the effect of cause. I mean, we've all heard of cause and effect, right? So right. in horrible situations or conditions and, and, in fact, good conditions and situations all have a cause behind them. So, yes, there's always a reason, there's always a cause, a good, if you will, behind mm-hmm. every situation or condition. Yeah, you can break it down to what I think and how I accept my part in it is that what did I do to set this ball rolling? Even as random mm-hmm. as it appears, sometimes right. we can even recognize it, you know, then, oh, I you started know. this ball 30 years ago. You know, it just yeah. the chickens come to roost and just came back now, but it's all yeah. something that we can learn from. Um, I remember I had a, a perfect day one day. <laughs> it was quite a while ago, but I had a perfect day. Somehow that day I didn't have to lie. I didn't have to, uh, I mean, I didn't have to make anything up. I was actually in some kind of strange zone all day. I was uh, honest. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have to, like, there's so many little tiny things you can do wrong. You know what I mean? By saying mm-hmm. yes when you mean no. I mean, very, I didn't do any one day. I had one day of actually just being myself. I remember I went to uh, a friend that had now, uh, she had become elderly and was an old folks. So I remember going to see her and uh, talking to her and praying with her and doing her hair. And then I remember I went off to work and then I came back and I went and did this and I went and did that. And then I went to sleep. I had a sound sleep. And the phenomena uh-huh. happened when I woke up. 
when I woke up, I opened my eyes, and I was as innocent as a baby, something uh-huh. that I never uh, thought that you could ever capture again. But I woke up. Yeah. So my present, the present that I got back was in the morning when uh, somehow I was blessed with the feeling of being innocent. It was right. beautiful. Because when you're innocent, you you don't blame, you don't, everything just is, you know, you're just uh, wide open to the world and everything else. Okay, we have a a question. Um, Let me see in chat. Okay, the question is, uh, thank you, uh, should be, when someone has a life-changing moment, is it something they had happened because they were seeking it or does it happen to them? Um, I will say it doesn't really happen to them, although things can happen which which sort of impact you like like from out of left field sometimes. But since we're all one, since we're all in this soup, if something appears to happen to you, it's just because you, you were in that place at that time doesn't mean you attracted it. It just happened to be that that's where you were when this thing appeared to happen to you. And it's also a combination of the fact that choices that were made um, led you to be in that place where this incident appeared to impact you from out of nowhere, although you just happened to bring yourself to that situation, not necessarily intentionally, not necessarily consciously, but that's kind of where your energetic uh, light or your path led you at that point, if that makes any kind of sense. So I I would say that, that you create what happens through you, not what happens to you. Okay, because yeah, create, I can. Yeah, we create through again through our beliefs, through our thoughts, and through our words. But sometimes things can appear to impact from out of nowhere. But maybe that's because in this quantum soup that we all live in, we just happen to be in that spiritual place or in that physical place where bam, we got in the way, and so this thing happened. You know, what the important thing is, is not so much that it happened to you, but now how do, how do you respond to it and how do you deal with it from that point on? Yeah, that, that makes sense because let's say there's an innocent party, but something bad happens. But through this experience, it's sometimes a, a great learning tool and lesson for others. They observe how that person made it through, how they overcame it, how, you know, we're constantly, things are happening all the time. You know, the soup is up, simmering all the time. So things happen, but it's It's always for the greater good. Yeah, it's constantly stirring and spinning. So, uh, you know, the, I think the seeker in that is like learning to swim. Okay, I see all the soup. I'm I'm swimming, you know, and I'm going to go look and I'm going to go over there and see if there's something over there and, you know, it's like uh, I used to go uh, swimming up the Kern River, and uh, yes, I used to swim around, okay? I used to swim up rivers and jump off mountains. But anyway, that was me back in Superwoman when I was young. Anyway, 
uh, I was talking to a friend who was scared of water. And I said, there's a stone out there in the middle where you can stand. And it was just a small outfit I had found. It's just enough so you can be in up to your neck, but you can still stand there. How I found it, I'll never know because I was out there swimming. Uh-huh. And then uh, I went out and I said, trust me, and I can take you out there. That person could yeah. not swim. And what she did, she put her, her arms around me like you a little kid, you can swim. I said, let's go. And so I swam out there. And sure enough, we were both standing out. She says, how did you find this rock stay out the river? I said, I don't know, because I've been out here swimming, so I learned. So I, I think, you know, that's how, you know, uh, uh, that's how we're doing it. You know, yeah. one person took the shot and went out there and swam. Okay, I'm going, you know, and goes. Then they find a place to stand on. So then you know how to leave another person out there. No, it looks yeah. like, yeah, it looks like you're going to drown, right? It, it looks like bad, but believe it or not, there's a, there's a rock out there. Exactly. You've heard the term about of, of when you come to the cliff, and if you step off the cliff, either you'll be supported or you'll be given wings. Exactly. And, uh, that has been true for uh, many occasions. Well, you know, it's even it's a, it's the metaphor for the what the inside is what's happening, you know, because um you know, I think we all have to come to a point where uh we have to take a more enlightened path because you know, I've had many many dreams. I think a lot of experiencers and then people, you know, uh I don't know about the people who are keeping it to themselves. They don't seem to be talking about it. They're just angry. You know, and they talk politics all the time, but are they experiencing what, you know, we're experiencing of, of sort of like the true, the the thing we thought was true is falling away. And what's really true is the love that's left or the things that you learned or the steadiness that when you help somebody else, you're steadier. That's what's that left. Yeah, I think this is happening to everyone, but again, it comes down to whether they're aware of it or not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and and yeah, so so something miraculous or something might come come through for someone who you know isn't aware of these principles, and they'll just think, oh, it was a coincidence, you know, or it's a one-time thing or whatever, and they don't give it another thought, you know. But yeah, but this this kind of thing happens to people. I I believe all the time, you know, it's just a question of their awareness of what's behind it. Yeah. Um, it's a, you know, it's a, you know, it's a striving for, there's a, there's a certain amount of, you can be scared, but you can still go, you know, it's oh, like that. Yeah. When people have gone before you, you know, they have gone before you, but it might not be in your awareness right now, you know, but, uh, it's, you know, I I know that this is because uh, the books that I've read and the people I've studied and things like that, you know, they talk about, you know, the anguish. Well, Evelyn Underhill talks about the dark night of the soul. When we all go through it, when things, uh, nothing seems like it is, you know, even the saints that did everything right or whatever uh, had a terrible time when you go through that part where you don't know anything. You know, first you knew everything, and all of a sudden you don't know anything one day, you know, and uh, it's just peculiar. But 
you've just got to have that faith. And, and But that's what counselors are for. That's what uh, the books and the places of study and people like you that people can just call you and, and, and tell you, okay, I need to, you know, it's a good place to check in. And that's why yeah. I believe that we are, we are given many counselors. And that's because yeah. we need a place to check in. It's a good place to check in and realize own divinity and your own inner spirituality and your own ability to that things, you know, that you'll be able to work work it out, that you have that within you. That's to get right. back to your own center, your own spiritual center. You know, it's just a, a relief to know that. Because uh, if you're any way out in the world trying to make a, a difference, uh, you're sticking your neck way out there. You know, and uh, if, and you see a lot of things that cause you a lot of pain, and that's why even the counselors need counselors. We have to. We all need each other. You know, to describe what's happening, and then mm-hmm. to hold it for each other sometimes, just so you can lift it up to let it go. Yeah. Exactly. So we have a that's we have about five minutes left, and why don't you tell people where they can uh, reach you and. Uh, and uh, things like that. Because you're very kind and understanding. You have a lot of knowledge about what we've been talking about. So where can they reach you? Well, they can go online and they can Google the Center for Spiritual Living in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, the center, they can call the, the office they can call the uh, center office, which is online. That number is available online. The Spiritual Center for Spiritual Living, the Center for Spiritual Living in Tucson. And they can put whoever is inquiring, they can, uh, I can get in touch with them. They can put them through to me. They can refer uh, any inquiries um, through them to me if they would like to have a session or anything like that. And also, mm-hmm. uh, they can uh, Google the Centers for Spiritual Living uh, on anywhere in, in, in the country and see if maybe there is a center or a practitioner in their area whom they might be able to call. Yeah, that's right. So if there's somebody, you know, wherever you are in the United States or possibly worldwide, you know, I'm sure they have centers and everything else. And if you want to talk to Don, he's located in Arizona, and then uh, Google the center. And you can also get a hold of me on uh, Facebook, and I'll get your information and give it to me, and I'll give it to him if you want to talk to him. And also remember his book is uh, on uh, Amazon. And what's the title of your book again? It's on Amazon. It's called uh, Perfect Praying. Five Simple Steps That Make Prayers Work. That's it. Because that praying, uh, you know, they're doing even the, let's talk about praying for a minute, that we all know kind of what praying is. And uh, it's on, uh, um, okay, so they now know scientifically, they've done it in the hospitals. Now, the most scientific of men are usually doctors, and it kind of can be cool. Not all doctors. I mean, we have doctors that have really led us, you know, um, in their writings and their their uh, discoveries and stuff like that. 
but um, you know, they say that they've brought in groups of people praying, and it's expedited the the healing, uh, yeah. changed things, shrunk tumors, uh, healed people, uh, made the outcome so much more positive. Yes, absolutely. That that is a registered fact that that is a phenomenon that works. Mm-hmm. Because praying is in fact using thought uh, and releasing it into the universe, and again the universe says yes, and you you trigger the universe into the result that you're praying for. So absolutely, prayer Not has good that. To me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so works for me. I just want to work for me. And it's been a really wonderful experience having you on here, John. And you're welcome back anytime. And we look forward to uh, getting your book and hearing more from you in the future. And uh, I really want to keep you and yours in your prayers and want to congratulate you on your re- pretty recent betrothal, which has been long waiting, long time waiting. You know, right. and uh, I'm really excited for you and for Gray and for everybody. You get to see uh, our dear friend Dawn out there and everybody else. You're lucky, you know, because uh, we all miss you. And hopefully you can get out here sometime. Uh, I would love to. And now that we live a bit closer, uh, it's much more I know. possible. Yeah. All righty. Okay. Okay. You take I care. Really I want to thank you so much for being on. You're very, very, very welcome. It was my pleasure. Okay, anytime, John. Take care. And I wish okay. you a good night. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. We're like at the last 50 seconds. I want to thank you all, everybody that was uh, that called in on the phone lines, and thank you guys in the chat room. Smart people are there. And thank you, Sidney Fishian. Anyway, then, the people that were online on hold, nobody pressed the number one button, so I know if you're asking question or not or listening so next time remember to push number one and follow the directions and i can uh find out i want to just pop you on the air when you're listening so uh if you had a question press one next time so uh i want to thank you all for tuning in and this has been an incredible enlightening show and i appreciate it very much so i'm going to just read this little thing that i found and it's in a dream in a vision of the night when the deep sleep falls upon men and slumberings upon the bed then he openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instructions, that he may withdraw the man for his purpose and hide pride from the man. And then Carl Jung is saying, where love rules, there is no will to power, and where power predominates, there is love lacking. The one is the shadow of the other. So let's kind of follow these people's examples, keep our minds and know that we're getting these awesome messages from maybe a higher source uh, during our sleep. and. Don't turn away people who said, I have dreams and I dream dreams. And uh, be sure to follow us next week and follow the links to contact me. And I'm at the Paranormal and the Sacred on uh, Facebook. You can reach me there. And to follow the links to contact me and leave me a message. You'd like to be part of the show or for general help and assistance. And I want to thank all of our guests in chat, as I just said, and also those that are in the chat room and are hanging on the line because uh, – my faithful listeners make this what it's all about, you know, and it's it's been awesome here. And the show is archived. You can listen to it again after the show with, with they process it, and we can listen to it later over and over and over. And the paranormal and the sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. So please recommend us to your family and friends, and God bless you all. May your best dreams come true, and true love live in your heart, babies. Take care. God bless you. Love you. Bye-bye. <laughs>